I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Sean Tatro, and today with my girlfriend and co-host, Leah Diana, we will be winding back the reel to 1964. A wandering gunfighter plays two rival families against each other in a town torn apart by greed, pride, and revenge in the Sergio Leone Western classic, A Fistful of Dollars. Let's get into it. This short cigar belongs to the man with no name. This long gun belongs to the man with no name. This poncho belongs to the man with no name. Rico! Who'd you want to see me? What's wrong, Ramon? your touch shoot to kill you better hit the heart aim for the heart or you'll never stop me the man with no name danger fits him like a tight black glove he is perhaps the most dangerous man who ever lived Three coffins ready. I don't think it's nice you laughing. See, my mule don't like people laughing. Gets the crazy idea you're laughing at him. Now, if you apologize like I know you're going to, I might convince him that you really didn't mean it. My mistake, four coffins. This man with no name is played by Clint Eastwood. He's going to trigger a whole new style in adventure. A Fistful of Dollars is the first motion picture of its kind. It won't be the last. Make sure there's one coffin when I get back. You're not going anywhere. Damn it. <laughs> Thought it'd be funny. <laughs> Are you ready for your mind to be blown a little bit? I'm hoping it will be. I fucking hate you because I like this. Yes! <laughs> yes! I was 
so into this movie. You heard me too, like several times, asking like questions out loud and get, getting closer to the television. I fucking told you that sometimes when we do these, you're gonna be surprised. Look, the most surprising thing was me hating Event Horizon by the end of that one. <laughs> like that was the most surprising. But the fact that I'm sitting here right now going, I fucking, I like these movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like this movie. I actually at the end of this want to look at you and be like hey can we not record the next one can we just watch the whole trilogy (laughs) (laughs) well eventually we will get to the others in the dollars trilogy as it's known 2024 2025 we're coming for you guys sequels Woo! Other than just liking it, like, mm. what were your initial thoughts for this one? Clint Eastwood looks fucking young, and then I looked it up. He's the same age as my grandfather. He was born in 1930, just like my grandfather, which I was like, damn, Clint. Or, or should I say, Clinton Eastwood Jr. is his real name, because I looked that up. But I didn't see anything else, so uh, you are a go for all the info. I don't know shit about this. All I know is I want to watch more of these. <laughs> well, so today we watched A Fistful of Dollars. It's the... 1964 spaghetti western film directed by Sergio Leone, starring Clint Eastwood, the one and only. The one, the only. Who's somehow still fucking kicking around today. The Gran Turismo himself. (laughs) (laughs) This movie originally came out on in Italy on September 12th, 1964. Actually, I don't have a release date for the U.S. I have Italy, Western Germany, and Spain. Fuck you, U.S. You don't matter. uh, Essentially, it came out in 64 in Italy and in other parts of the world in 65, generally, Mm. um, at different points in the year. This movie was made on a budget somewhere around... $200,000 Two hundred to two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, and brought in a box office of nineteen point nine million. Jesus, is that U.S. and not lira? That is U.S. Damn. So this was a quite a fucking box office success, and it's easy to see why. Honestly, I'm. There's so many things that people do wrong with films now. You you could have predicted this entire film right when it started, right from the get-go. You knew what this film was about, but you didn't care because the characters were that engaging. You're like, oh, fuck it. I predicted the whole movie. Let's watch the ride. Like, Well, that's the thing. It's like Clint Eastwood alone. Like, he plays this character with such a... A presence is the best way I can put it. Yeah. He essentially creates in this movie the the very definition of the badass. The traveler. The wanderer. Like, essentially, at the beginning of the movie, he is the man with no name. Because you, you don't know his name until way later. You literally... And it's not just like, oh, this is so-and-so. It's like, oh, hey. It's like, you casually drop this man's name... And knowing now, I don't think they knew back then, but knowing now, this series is called The Man With No Name. Yeah. Damn. It's got a couple of, of referred to names. Like, mm. you have The Man With No Name trilogy or The Dollars trilogy. I think The Dollars trilogy sounds better, but this one's a fistful of dollars. So the next one's what? A few dollars. For a few dollars more. And then the last one is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yes. It has nothing to do with cash. No. The uh, the first two titles are where the Dollars trilogy comes from. Yeah. But the third one, they chose to go a different route. I am actually really excited to see The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly now. Because if this is what these movies look like... The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly... Uh, is like the most famous one out of yeah, all. Yeah, right? I'll say right now, it's probably, at least in my opinion, I think it might be the best Western ever made. Like, it is fucking incredible. Like, the thing, the visual elements of this movie are just dialed up 
for that one. It even like, and I, I think I said it to you at, at the moment. I was like, it's such a basic setup. It's like, here's the desert in Italy. I know you said that they filmed this in an Italian desert. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here are these houses, these sets that we probably put up within a day, day and a half. Some of them are just facades. It's just barrels and a couple of little paintings, but everything's like dirt floors. Like it's grungy, it's dirty, it's nasty. And I'm like, it doesn't, it honestly makes it better. It feels Old West, like and Clint gritty. Eastwood's middle name should be Clint Gritty Eastwood. Clint Grit <laughs> Eastwood. Now I have an important question for you because now we have this wall that we have started. Okay, does Clint Eastwood go on the patron saints of the archive, uh, or should we wait to answer this question after we've seen the full trilogy? I think that'll be a decision for the full trilogy. But on this initial watch of this movie. It, movie because this is the first movie we've watched for Grindhouse that is that has Clint Eastwood in it that is a western later on down the road we're gonna cover a lot of different Clint Eastwood movies like he did a bunch like the Dirty Harry series which is see I thought the Dirty Harry I thought Dirty Harry was Good Bad and the Ugly no, that's what I, I thought they were. I was like, the, oh, the name of the cowboy is Dirty Harry. No, the Dirty Harry series are like cop movies, like from like the. 80s, I know nothing 70s, of Clint. 80s. I know nothing of Clint Eastwood. Obviously, the only thing I know is Get Off My Lawn. I think that's why everybody knows. And that was well, like that's from, a more recent yeah. film in the uh, what I would say the last fifteen years. Yeah, that was Gran Torino. Uh, you let me say Turismo or Tori. Gran Turismo is a fucking. It's video a video game. game. Grand Torino. You motherfucker. You let me make a joke and it was the wrong joke and now I look silly. It's fine. Nobody cares. Nobody's listening. Somebody in the comments is yelling at me. Nobody's ever commented. (laughs) Really? I thought I'd get in trouble for a couple of things I've said on this podcast. Nobody's listening. Nobody cares. Leave a comment down below if you're listening. (laughs) If you are listening, just say hey. No, no. You know what you need to say? Gringo. Gringo. That is the keyword. Leave a comment below if you Gringo. Jesus Christ. One of the things I love so much about these movies, like, it's funny because you were, while we were watching it, you kept mentioning them because the cat didn't like them. But the gunshot sounds, like, they're so, like, I hear those and it's like, that's the old West. That's, That's a Western. And it's the same four or five shots, just on a loop. And I fucking love it. Oh, it sounds so great. Do you know what it reminds me of? Parts of the Caribbean and uh, Walt Disney World. Because yeah. when you're driving on the ride, that's what you're hearing. And all I can think of is Pirates of the Caribbean. And I'm like, so if the Wild West had cowboys, would pirates be like like the Westerns? Like pirate movies be like the Westerns of the seas? Yeah. It's like the same kind yeah, of so idea. Pirates are essentially outlaws in the Old West. It's just too... Dealing with sand, not water. Right. And then, like, so the pirates usually went against the East India Trading Company. Yeah, they didn't agree with the high tax prices, so they would steal and try and make a profit. That would be your sheriffs and your uh, lawmen, I guess, is the best way you'd put it. Which, this guy, this guy... Literally rolled his rode his ass into town. Not roll, rode his ass into town. Saw problem, dealt with it, and said, 
Adios. And I, this is the first time where it's a cold open and a cold close, and I'm like, I love this. <laughs> this is the only time you will get me to say, I like the cold open and I like the cold I don't even know anything about this man's past or future. This is perfect. So I have to slightly disagree with you on that. What? Not not the, the cold open and ending. Okay. I mean, your his... Coming into town, dealing with a problem, and leaving. I mean, dealing with a problem does include, let me fuck with these assholes just a tad. The thing with this character is that, like, and I love this about him, he's a man out for his own interests. He's not your goody good, like, do-gooder I mean, who is guy. a do-gooder? Like, he's about as do-goody a vigilante as you can get. Yeah, like, he plays both sides of the line. Giggles uh, the whole way through. He comes... And he's doing it so that he comes out on top. It just so happens to benefit the town and the residents of the town. Yeah. Yep. It's a very interesting story. Like, especially for a film. What did I say this was? It was 60 something? 64. 64. Yep. So you just didn't do that. You just had good guys and bad guys back then. This is, it's such a muddled There's line. a gray area. He's, he's a, he's a gray Jedi. Oh my God. I just realized George Lucas just wrote a fucking space western. Tatooine is literally a space western. You just realized that? I just that? realized that. <laughs> oh my god. Just, right now. Because I'm like, wait, there's a lot of sand. There's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh my god, Clint Eastwood is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, it's also uh, like, <coughs> it's, um, it's well known that he basically, for the plot of the first Star Wars, at least, he adapted, I think it was called The Hidden Fortress. It's a samurai movie. Yeah. Yeah. And samurai films and westerns have they huge crossover. similarities. Huge. And I don't think anybody even understood that, like, the influence of, like, the western, like... Japan already fucking had it. Samurais. Samurais were the vigilantes. They would go lawlessly from... Oh, ronins were. Ro- yeah, ronins. They would go, you know, from town to town, making sure that things were respectful. Like, you respected stuff. I don't think that's the right thing. Guys, I had some pot. <laughs> Buckle up. Well, ronins, they were... <laughs> the Samurais without a master is what a ronin yeah. is. And they were essentially... They essentially were outlaws. They would live outside the means of, yeah, of society. And they would... They didn't have wives. They didn't have homes. They didn't have family. Yeah. Some of them were bad. Other yes. ones were oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it... It generally was just, I don't know, it's a different version of the same concept, I guess. Hmm. So, westerns are really ronins, like ronin stories, basically. Basically. And Star Wars is not only stolen from westerns, but it's stolen from Japanese culture. Star Wars is terrible. I I wouldn't go so far as to call it terrible, because all artists steal. That's the... Now, that's a big thing that people are talking about now is I saw an article. I can't cite it. I can't at all. But artists, some artists are upset that they're taking from their works and stuff. So some want people to be like, you have to come up with an original idea or else we'll sue you. This kind of like proposal, which means every single one of those movies on that wall would have to get sued. Everyone, yeah. name a singular so, original idea in a film. It's next to impossible. Like, there's instances you can obviously cite, but it's next to impossible to be wholly original in a world in the world because there are so many people being creative yeah. that 
even if two people have never interacted in their lives, there's a solid chance they're going to come up with the same idea. And you've got also a whole world out there of underground film, underground short films, underground features. So if you're like, oh, this most extreme ideas that come to my head, it has been done before. You've just never heard of it. Yeah. I can guarantee you there are some films sitting down there in this fucking archive that I've looked at the names at and gone, Sean, what the fuck is this? And you're like, nah, I'll put that down. That's for later. You can't, we can't do that to you right now. Go, go. <laughs> but it astonishes me how a lot of people are like, no, you can't take my original idea. Was your fucking idea original? No. Name me one movie like that could be. And then you're sitting there going, well, wait, that element's from here. That element's from here. So you're essentially saying one film could get sued thousands of times because the idea of doing a specific scene where someone puts a cup down. Oh, well, you're copying from this director and this director of photography. We're going to sue you. Well, that's the thing. It's like you can't. There's certain things you just can't lay claim to. No. And yeah. So what if you're the first person to come up with that idea? You You know, somebody else is going to do the same thing. You know what? this made me think of and you're the one that told me and I think it's so stupid is um, you can no longer say the word super and the word bowl together or you will get sued by NFL yes we have to refer to the thing that you are talking about as the big game mm-hmm. and how many people do you think I know well let's rephrase this you have no idea how many people when I say oh the big game they're offended People are offended by that phrase. So now you've made it impossible to say the real world word for this. And you've just pissed off so many people. Oh, yeah. Again, you can't just copyright something because what if you lived on Super Lane and your house was in the bowl of the complex? You can't, you can't, like, it's stupid. It's fucking dumb. So... It, it is funny that Westerns are derived from Japanese culture. And, you know, Japanese culture, they were pretty, they were really hidden away. They didn't want anything to do with Western culture for, for a very long time. No, because it's a culture based around tradition and honor. The, and honor. And, like, outside influence is always going to alter tradition. It's going to alter people's way of thinking. Yeah. So they tried to keep everything isolated. I have to say, I really do like Japanese culture and traditions. I do. Yeah. I'd live there. Sean won't go with me, so I'm stuck here. <laughs> we should probably steer back into the movie. Yes. Or or shall we choo-choo into the movie? I'm really sorry. <laughs> what? Choo-choo, because the old West, it trains choo-choo. Oh, God. <clears throat> you want to do this with me? We'll steer the wagon back on course. That's it. That's better. <laughs> um, so... We'll get right into the back of the box here. Absolutely. And it's worth noting, we watched this on streaming. On Pluto. Pluto TV. Yep. So it had had fucking commercials. We're not used to commercials. No, I don't want your fucking laundry detergent or your pizza and sticks. Knock it off. Oh, God. It was so bad. Oh, my God. They were terrible. But we did it that way because... This is the first time you've seen this movie. Yeah, and I wanted to see it crystal clear. Yeah, you wanted a higher quality. We could have watched it on VHS, maybe next time. But we do have the MGM UA home video VHS release of this. So I'm going to use that for the back of the box today. And this back of the box starts off with a quote. 
First Class Western Bravado from Bosley Crowther Crowther of the New York Times. Hmm. The first of the Spaghetti Westerns, A Fistful of Dollars, became an instant international cult phenomenon. It also launched the film careers of Italian writer-director Sergio Leone and a little-known American television actor named Clint Eastwood. As the lean, cold-eyed, cobra-quick gunfighter, the iconic man with no name, Clint became the first of the anti-heroes, the cynical enigmatic loner with a clouded past is the same character Eastwood fans have been savoring ever since. A Fistful of Dollars is the western taken to the extreme, with unremitting violence, gritty realism, and a tongue-in-cheek humor. Leone's direction is taut and stylish, and the visuals are striking. From breathtaking panoramas in Spain, to extreme close-ups of quivering lips and darting eyes before the shootouts begin, and all are accented by renowned film composer Ennio Morricone's quirky, haunting score. Now that leads us into something we have to talk about a little bit. Okay. It's no secret at this point that I fucking love Ennio Morricone's music. His film scores are always so alluring. They grip you. They really do. Even with, I noticed how basic even the score was, and I even asked you, I was like, oh, because I'm assuming that what I was like, oh, where's that, that one music clip that they play? Oh, that's Wow, wow, wow. I was like, oh, that's this. You're like, no, that's the last one. Is that his? Yes. He did this whole trilogy. <laughs> the music from this, usually I'm like, oh, I didn't I didn't hear the music. I didn't hear anything. I heard the music. Because it's so fucking silent at moments. You're just there to watch Clint's the wrinkles on his face. The more wrinkles, the more cr- aggravated he is. The less wrinkles, the more amused he is. Did you notice... Like, so you know that iconic score, like, from the third film. Yeah. Did you notice the elements of that in this? Yes, it was in in the last shootout. No, not the last shootout. It was in the, um, the Braxton, is that their names? That shootout. Well, yeah, it is in that. But, like, there are elements throughout the whole... The whole score of this movie, the there's like, like wah, wah, the little wah. the little flute sounds, yeah. the little the flute. It, there were basic flutes. The one sound I could remember was people going ha ha ha, yeah, like that in the center of it, and that caught me. And it makes you think about it a little bit more. Like obviously he did these one at a time, so like he built off of the the original score for the next one, and then the one after yeah. that. But you could see how he was just slowly building this. You can see the roller, case, the roller coaster going up. Yeah. And oh god, the music of this fucking movie is so good. Do we so own them good. on vinyl? Do we own any of the music on vinyl? I don't believe. So. Uh, I might have the good, and the bad, and the ugly. I have to double check. It's been a while be, since I've looked at my vinyls. That would be, we did look at them to give my baby sister a couple of duplicates. We gave her some weird duplicates. But, you know, um, I realized we have a lot of vinyl. And even between the two of us, we have, we have majority movie soundtracks. We do. <clears throat> That's mostly what I collect. Mm. Like, I don't... I, I get some regular vinyls like from various bands but yeah i'm mostly out to get movie scores because i just love listening back to them did i mention on the podcast the score the vinyl score that i get i made no i found house on vinyl 
the original soundtrack for a movie house that we watched last year. You know, the one where the girl was a watermelon and she bit her butt. That one. <laughs> that was a fucking experience. Oh let me my tell god. You. I am so sad that my friends have that because I'm I told them they have to watch it. I don't think they've watched it yet. <laughs> but I kind of wanted to pop it in and just let it play. Oh god. That and uh Battle Royale. No, those are my two Japanese go-to films. Pop it on. Oh, I'm sure there'll be more. Oh god. I I did enjoy at moments where the music wasn't there because it made it a little more tense like when it was day for night and they were being si- silent the soundtrack was silent and I appreciated yeah. that I don't know like I feel like his score at least like in this film in all the films really that he's ever done I feel like they just envelop you like they pull you into the world of the movie mm. Like, the second this movie started, I felt like I was in a Western. Like, it didn't... I didn't have to go through a whole bunch of shit to, like, believe that I was in it. Yeah. It was immediate. Instantly. Instantly. And the first thing you see is him ride up to a well to get a drink for him and his horse. And then you just see that boy sneaking into a house and you're like what's happening you're you're gone you're in it you're You're, done you're noticing it as he is really and i was really bummed that the commercials would take you out of it and you're like oh fuck oh yeah and that's i have a great pluto (laughs) i think there were at least 35 commercials in an hour i think this movie was an hour and 10 minutes it added 25 minutes onto this film yeah and it also see, felt like you placed them at the height of tension builds. Yeah. Fuck you for that. Fuck you. It was in so dead in the middle of the movie where there was like this big tension thing. Stop. Went back into it. And then I had to look at you and be like, what the fuck just happened? Because I wasn't paying attention to the commercial. There's no warning. You're back and going back into the show. And it's just boom, boom. And I was like, I missed Something you had to explain to me it what happened. It was usually like a gunshot or something like, like that. Something I was like, what the fuck? Because they had the gunshots happen quickly, mm. like they should. It's like a quick cut. Yeah. But take note, directors of 2023, gunshots are quick. I don't need 45 seconds watching the bullet go real slow like mm. Matrix. Like, yeah, we don't need to jump into bullet time for every fucking oh goddamn God. gunshot. If it has a point to the show, like I don't know, it's either the Flash or the slow slow man. The slow, slow man? That's what I'm calling whatever character that is. I don't know. Marvel, DC. They probably have their own, but the slow, slow man. The turtle. Really? They went turtle? Yeah, uh, there's a reason for it, but that has nothing to do with what there's we're talking about here. a superhero named the turtle not, and he goes slow? He's a villain, actually. He has the ability to essentially remove kinetic energy from a radius around him, so nothing can, like, move. Is he a Flash enemy? Yeah. <laughs> Flash is fucked up, man. Holy shit. They got whimsical with it, that character and his villains a lot. <laughs> How the fuck did CW keep it a little serious sometimes? Oh, no, they, they had fun with it. Nice. Back to the Western. One of the things I, I kind of like about this movie is, like, you start off with this, like, really cool animated title sequence that brings you into it, which is basically just a bunch of people getting gunned down. Yeah. But, I don't know, it just, it sets a tone. Because the whole thing is in, it's in two tones. It's like a tan and red. Yeah. Which kind of showcases the opposing forces of the movie. Yeah. Not the man with no name, not Joe, the uh, the two people that he's manipulating. I just I thought that was a really nice 
introduction before you even know what to expect. Mm. It kind of sets you up. You think he's going to be against, or he's going to have to go up against something or someone or a group, but he's really playing fucking devil's advocate for two groups. He's a fucking puppeteer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here going, this is all just a manipulation game? Oh, this is so much better than just shoot him up. (laughs) And honestly, they, they take a lot of time to set you into this world. Mm. Like, they... They never fully tell you anything about our protagonist. He's just this enigmatic man who rolls into town and just so happens to get himself caught up with the town's problems. Mm. It's a very Mad Max kind of idea. I've never seen Mad Max. Same basic principle. Okay. Um, But we do get subtle hints to a past here and there. Like, uh, the, the only one I really noted was... When he first meets the bartender, uh, he goes into the, the saloon and he's talking to the bartender and he uncovers a old roulette wheel and the bartender is explaining to him, oh yeah, that's, they killed the guys who ruined the town. They basically killed that too because nobody comes in here to play games anymore. But just him knowing to go over there, knowing to pull that off, because he's like, I know what this is. You can tell just a little bit. It's like a subtle, like, oh, he's a gambler. Yep. You know a little bit about him just from that. Not enough to really do anything with, but... I feel like he was... Because he said... um, Did he say to Marisol or towards Marisol that he had known a woman like that prior? Towards the end, yeah. Towards the end. And then, so there's another hint that he had kind of like a Spitfire kind of relationship. And then when he first saw... I mean, for saw, all we know, we could he could have been talking about his mother. It's true. But the way he looked at Marisol when, in the first opening scene where she's looking out because she, you know, her, this little kid just happens to be like, oh, hey, I'm going to come in. And kicked the little kid out. It beat the shit out of the little kid and the dad. Damn. What assholes. But Marisol is staring at him and he just is staring like he's like, I know this. And then when he was looking at the kid, he was just faintly smiling. So to me, I feel like I made up this character in my head that he had a family, that something bad happened to his family and his kid. And now he's on his own. That's the beauty of it. Yep. Right there. The fact that you built this character in your mind from a smile from a that, smirk that's why this is so good because the fact that he the uh director and the actors they allow for you to do this by just giving you this mystery to try and piece together yourself why aren't filmmakers doing this now i hate the fact that all we get are these long drawn out stupid pasts and being told through not even context clues you're physically fed stupid information do you want the answer oh god yes because through the view the studio's standpoint through their eyes audiences today are dumb and they just want everything spoon-fed into them like they're a fucking invalid. You know what? And they're right. Because I hate cold openings and cold closings. I don't want that. I want to know what happened. I want all the information. This is the first time in a film where I didn't care. Because I wasn't dumbed down to by all these newer movies. This yeah. movie made me feel a little educated. Even though it was a western. Spaghetti <laughs> western. I know nothing about them. 
But yeah, I I cannot stand being spoon fed all these information out of these films. But also, as a result of it, I hate the cold end, cold close. You find it intriguing. I find it irritating. I fucking love it. But as that conditioning from these places to make me feel like I was dumb? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Like I got a bone to pick with you people now. We've spent so many years just being handed all of the information down to the minute details. And that's what limited it when when we watch these limited series, they're spoon feeding you so much information. It can't just be a small like we finished the Midnight Club. There's no way that could have been an hour and a half film. No. There was God, so no. much information. No, it would have been insane. So is that a we're dumb is that a dumb them down or is that an um, smarten them up kind of decision for these things. I think that's a smartening up kind of thing because if you look at that, there's still so much room that they could have given you every goddamn little bit of information and they didn't. They still made you through very slight context clues, made you kind of come up with a story in your head. Yes. <sighs> My mind is blown right now. Now, let me ask you something. Mm. The can you imagine this movie if Clint Eastwood had had more dialogue? Absolutely not. Well, we almost got that. What? When Clint Eastwood signed on to it, he had a lot of disagreements with Sergio Leone. Mm. And, uh, oh, he called the, he said that the script was too verbose. Like, so there was too much, like, exposition, too yeah. much dialogue. And it wasn't until he was able to convince Leone to cut his dialogue basically to the bare minimum. Yeah. That they started to work well together. Because I so basically Clint Eastwood made this character what it is. Oh wow. Like, okay. This he, wasn't Sergio's original idea. No, he felt like the character should be enigmatic. Yeah. And he was fucking right. <laughs> it it's what makes this experience so interesting. How many lines does Clint Eastwood have in this movie? Not many. Like, he talks very infrequently. Yeah. Like, I think for the first 10 or 15 minutes, there's no words coming out of his mouth. And yeah. it feels so much better because you're, he's telling the story through his face. He doesn't speak until he gets to the bar, The right? cantina, yeah. He yeah. doesn't speak at all. And it's like, damn. The movie was also originally titled The Magnificent Stranger. I mean, I'm okay with that. When did The Magnificent Seven come out? Before or after this? I think, I'm pretty sure it was before. So maybe he was playing off of that? I, I think so. They they didn't change the title until almost three days before the movie hit theaters. Oh, shit. And, like, it was such a snap decision that, like, nobody even told Clint Eastwood. <laughs> and, uh, as a result of that, he... Remained completely unaware that the movie was so popular until the uh, his agent pointed it out like weeks later. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is doing really well, but it was under a different title than he shot it under. So he had no idea. He's like, oh, that movie never came out. Uh, yeah, it did. Uh, yeah, it did. And it's made millions. I'm sorry. Can, can you explain that to me again? <clears throat> Way to fuck up. Way to fucking mess Clint Eastwood up. That's funny. And he actually almost... Like, so, during this period, uh, Clint Eastwood was on a show called Rawhide. Okay. Uh, and he was under contract for that show, which prohibited him from doing any movies in the U.S. Oh, but shit! there just so happened to be a clause 
that allowed him to do movies in Europe. So the only reason this exists and the whole trilogy exists is because he was able to get around that contract. I think that's fucking awesome. Jesus, that's so funny. (laughs) The man wanted to do something on his... They had like a break in the series and he wanted to make something. All right, well, can't do it here. Going to Italy. (laughs) I'm going to Italy to film a Western. Fuck yeah. Damn. Fuck yeah. And my mind was blown because I think it was Red Letter Media that made me realize when they were talking about Spaghetti Western, Spaghetti Western... I just thought that there was some sort of tool or contraption back in the Old West that was called a spaghetti. (laughs) So I thought spaghetti westerns were something to do with, like, a wagon wheel or a wagon. That's what I thought it was. It wasn't until, like, what, a couple years ago when Red Letter was doing, like, a couple westerns or something. I think they were talking about good, the bad, and the ugly. I think so, because they said, oh, spaghetti western, you know, like the Italian dish. And I went, Sean, what does he mean? Like, I, it started coming in my head. I was like... It's racism, Leah. <laughs> yes, I know it's racism, it's racism. Yes. But I didn't know that these films were basically the Western giallo. I didn't know that they were filmed in Italy. They were with Italian all the... I just thought, oh, Sergio Leone, he must have had Italian roots. Like, I felt so dumb when you were like, no, spaghetti westerns are literally filmed in Italy. They're yes. not even in America. Like, and I'm like, how the hell did they know what fucking the Wild West was like in America? They're from Italy. And then I'm sitting here going, oh, Giallo films. Oh, okay. All right. And the Italians are strange. Very strange. But they are good at what they They're do. They're really good and it's so great. Unless, unless it's the last couple of films that we watched. Um, Crystal Plumage and Cat of Nine Tails. I still wish they were still more horror and less yeah. mystery. Well, you ha- you have to accept going in now that you've seen a couple. Oh yeah, that it's the, Giallo is like they're a more bra- a spectrum. Giallo kind of thing. is more thriller than it is horror. Yeah, for the most part, it wasn't really until Argento got his got the ball rolling that it got more horror. Yeah. So one of the things that I have to know is. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is a lot of the set pieces in this film. They don't look fake. They did a really good job. Everything looks very real, or it could just be camera. We're talking about the literal sets. The literal sets. Okay. Because sometimes that shit can be like pieced together with like popsicle sticks and glue, and it, it is popsicle sticks and glue. You can see it. This actually looked really good. 
Because there's been other, like, I grew up with Bonanza. My grandfather still to this day watches Bonanza. That shit looked janky as hell sometimes. So I was expecting a low-quality, janky, shitty movie. No, they're not all like that. Mm. Like, TV shows for sure were because they were on a cheap-ass budget. But, and there are movies that look the same way. But there are bigger-budget westerns that look fucking amazing. Mm. One, th- one that we should eventually cover, I believe it does fall in our wheelhouse. I'd have, I'll double check the dates because I'm pretty sure it was like 90s, mm. is Tombstone. The series? No, or the movie. The movie. Oh, with a uh, wider. <sighs> what is his name? Kurt Herp. Russell. What the fuck am I thinking of? I have no idea what the fuck you're thinking of. Wider. The guy who played Wider. I can't. There's a lot of people that the play Wider. The big old mustache, like gray hair. Describing like yeah, 20% like I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, Tombs. Yeah, but Tombstone is probably it's considered one of the greatest westerns ever, and I will agree it is. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> hmm. All right. Okay. We'll look this up after we're done. So shall we shift into breaking this bitch down? Shit, we haven't even started breaking it down. We have not. This is going to be a long one. (laughs) So, an unnamed stranger arrives at the little town of San Miguel on the Mexican-United States border. So this doesn't take place in Italy. It takes place technically in Mexico. Mm. Silvanito, the town's innkeeper, tells the stranger about a feud between two smuggler families vying to gain control of the town. The Rojo brothers and the family comprising the town sheriff department, which is the Baxters. The stranger decides to play these families against each other, as we already talked about. Uh, he demonstrates his speed and accuracy with his gun to both sides by, like, he guns down four men in one of the coolest fucking scenes oh, ever. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god, like that, that's probably one of the most iconic moments of this movie mm. is just that him walking towards where these guys are and he he, he walks by the the town like uh, he's like the town coffin maker yep and he just says, he says prepare three coffins and the guy's like what <laughs> he says prepare three coffins for me will you does his thing walks back and goes i lied i need four Oh my god, I got turned on by a fucking 60-year-old movie. It was fucking awesome. Damn! (laughs) Um, He ends up seizing an opportunity uh, when he sees the Rojos massacre a detachment of Mexican soldiers who were escorting a chest of gold. He, uh... He takes... He ends up taking two of the dead bodies to a nearby cemetery and kind of sells the information to both of the groups saying that two of the guy two of the soldiers that were gunned down survived the attack. But what does he tell the Baxter family? Oh, I forget. They kind of muddle that part cuz he goes he sneaks into the wife's room. Yeah. And then like her husband he's just like I have some information. And then it cuts to her husband coming in and he steals his gun. You're just like, hey. When a dude's in another man, yeah. wife, dude's wife's room, um, no tricks. Give me a gun. Don't kill me. And the wife just tells him, pay him $500. He's got information you're going to want. Yeah. So, I, f- I feel like they said the Rojas were the ones that took the golds. 
and these the, the there's two men in the cemetery that have or the, there's two men in the cemetery that have information about the Rojas and the gold that just left or something like that. Yeah, it some of this information because the audience is kind of following along with all of this mm. they glaze over it here and there they let you fill out your own conclusions for some things which yeah. is very smart for this um each of the factions race to the cemetery the baxters to get the supposed soldiers to mm. testify against the roja rojas rojos rojas rojas rojo is a it, it's pronounced a candy it's written rojos <laughs> but all right and the Rojas are going to silence the two soldiers, so this uh, engages them all in a gunfight. A gunfight in a cemetery at midnight. Which is shot during the day. Oh my god, the day for night stuff. (laughs) Guys, it is clearly the middle of the day. Could you have toned the blue color just a tad down in the sky because it's still crystal blue? This is why, like, so back then it was a different story, but this is why you never shoot day for night. It always looks bad. But I think <laughs> what they were trying to do was save on lighting at night because it's impossible to light at Agreed. night. Especially back then yeah. on this budget. In the yeah. middle of the desert where there's no lights around it. So you could do some night filming if there was like life there. But it's just fucking silent, dark, and no. No, yeah. the day for night has to be done, but is it fucking poor quality? The the big villain of the movie, Ramon, the guy leading the, the Rojas family, he ends up shooting the two dead bodies, uh, kind of making it seem like he killed them. Mm. He thinks he killed them because uh, they were under the belief that they were still alive. Yeah. Uh, while they're fighting, the stranger searches the Rojas like a state their hideout yeah, they're like, wherever it was their hideout or a state well they had a small house too like way way out in the middle like on the of the other desert. side of town yeah on the like, other side of town way past it yeah it was which, weird it was a small house and then i i that one confused the hell out of me i think it was supposed to be like a little like farm house kind of thing mm. out in the middle of nowhere or, like, far away from the town. Was it her farmhouse with her husband then? Yeah, that's what I would think. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. That makes more sense. Um, And he ends up, while he's searching the place, he ends up finding the gold. Yep. But after finding the gold, he inadvertently <laughs> knocks out Marisol. Does he punch her in the face? Yeah. Or does so, he hit her with the butt of his gun? No. He So when she he's sneaking around, like he hears somebody at the door and he goes to hide. And then as soon as the person opens the door, he like jumps around the corner and punches them in the face. Did she have a chance to know it was him? I don't, th- I don't think so. Not initially, but then there's this moment of her like kind of dazed before she falls unconscious. Yeah. So it's possible. But she never... She never snitched him. No, she never says anything about it, which or is weird. Or maybe I think she realized what he was doing. Maybe. Um, he ends up taking her to the Baxters, who in turn arrange to return her to the Rojas in exchange for... for their son. Antonio. <clears throat> yep. During the exchange, Marisol's son, Jesus, runs toward her, uh, followed by her husband, Julio, I think is Julio, his yep. name. Um... And then while this is all happening, Ramon orders one of his men to kill her husband. And because he was like already told he has to leave town. Yeah. Like he has to get get out. out. Yeah. 
And one thing we're we're not covering is like there's this whole dynamic where Ramon is madly in love with Marisol. Yes. But obviously she's married. She and he literally to took him. her like property. Yeah, he just stole her from her family. Silventino attempts to protect the family with a, a shotgun, but. Uh, with the stranger backing him up. Yeah. Neither Ramon nor any of his men attempt to challenge the stranger, knowing that he's quick on the draw. He's a like, <laughs> quick shot. <coughs> the stranger then tells Marisol to go with Ramon and her husband to take their son home. Take Just, some of the money that he earned from the double for us, gives it to her, and tells her, go. Just get out. Go. No, this is before that. Oh, oh shit. This was like right after that whole moment in the street. Like he's like, get get oh, the kid out of here. Get, like Yeah, you you need to take your kid and get out of here. You need to go with him. Yes. And then that night while the Rojas are celebrating, the stranger rides out and frees Marisol, shoots all the guards, wrecks the house, and uh kind of makes it look like the Baxters Came ransacked. In, yeah, it. and ransacked it, yeah. Um, he gives the money to Marisol, like you were just saying, and he urges them to leave town. Get to the border, get out of here, go. When the Rojas discover the stranger has freed Marisol, they capture him and torture him brutally. Beat the living shit out of him. Put Holy cigar uh, cigar out in his hand. It, it's pretty pretty gnarly. Uh, believing that he... They, they believe that he's being protected by the Baxters. And... Uh, he inadvertently escapes, kills two people while he literally can't walk, and sneaks out. And while he's trying to hide under stuff and get away, that's when they said, "Oh, the Baxters must be hiding him. Go get, go and get him." And literally, they begin ransacking the town, ransacking and setting it on fire. There's, yeah, they're trying to essentially lure him out. Well, let's be honest. Um, the stranger with no name, or the miraculous stranger, did set fire to the Rojas house before he escaped. Like, this man killed two people, set the place on fire, and was able to stealth-like snake hide under shit and then hide in a coffin. Why did they not think to look in the coffins? I don't know. Like, that's like a big hole, like, hey, body-shaped hole. Plot device. <laughs> Can't help plot devices. Um, this leads to probably one of the more brutal scenes of the movie. So uh, the they set fire to this building that they believe the the Baxters are hiding in, and as all of the people inside come filing out, surrendering, hands in the air, they just start gunning them all down. Which makes you realize that the Baxters were the lesser of the evils. In, in my opinion, but, 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 I believe they also were trying to make the Americans look better in the Spaghetti Western than anybody from Mexico. Yeah. Because it was the way things looked. Because I was like, why, are, why is this movie painting the Baxters, who are also smugglers and doing bad shit, they paint them as the better people? Uh, maybe They because... were always cleaner. They were always neater. The Mexicans were always disheveled, nasty, dirty, sweaty, and I'm like... That's how it was in a lot of Westerns. It's like, it, it's like wow, like, this looks racist. Yeah. She's gonna call a spade a spade. The thing I like most about this sequence is that uh, Leone kind of lingers on the madness of it. 
So like he starts doing these shots where like where the camera goes almost handheld and it's like getting right up in the the Rojas faces individually. Doesn't it remind you a little bit of um Sam Raimi? Yeah, very much so. And it like it gets in their faces as they're like maniacally laughing while they shoot these people. Bruce Campbell would have looked good in this film. Just saying. <laughs> I might be able to tickle that bone later. <laughs> really? <laughs> but I don't know, it's like he's he's almost like emphasizing the erratic like Like they're going fucking nuts. Of it. Yeah. It's so disgusting, honestly. <clears throat> but it, it sells it so well. Throughout all of this, the stranger escapes the town by hiding in a coffin, as you said. Mm. Um, and he ends up hiding out in a nearby mine. And the coffin maker tells him that they captured Silventino and that they're torturing him for information because they, they want to find out where, where he went. Mm. And this ends up forcing him to go back to town. Mind you, he's been gone long enough to like heal up from his wounds. Pretty well, but his hand's still wrapped. Yeah. And he gets back to town and immediately confronts them before they can do any real harm to uh, Silventino. And it's this big climactic moment. It's kind of the the old style western duel, but it's <laughs> it's our protagonist against a group of guys. Mm. And so throughout the movie up until this point, Ramon has has this character trait about him where he only uses a rifle because he believes that a rifle is the true way to kill somebody that uh, a pistol is never good enough. Like it's too easy for you to survive mm. essentially. He demonstrates that a lot throughout this movie. He's constantly using this thing to gun people down. And he has this, uh, this thing where he's like, you gotta, sh- you shoot him in the heart, shoot in the heart, aim for the heart. So this comes to a head in this sequence where he, he, uh, levels his rifle and he just starts shooting the stranger. But, the stranger keeps getting up, keeps getting up, and he keeps coming, taunting, him. and he, he's taunting him. He's like, "Come on, Ramon! Like, what's you wrong?" You said shoot for the heart. You said pistols suck. What's wrong with you? Like, damn. And he does this until Ramon runs out of bullets, and this is, is the big, the classic reveal that everybody knows, where he lifts his poncho and he's wearing the makeshift bulletproof vest. Is that where the joke in Back to the Future 3 comes from? It's the exact scene. They just just replicate it. Oh, is that why Marty's dressed like that? Yes. He's dressed like Clint Eastwood. Oh, that's why his name's Clint. Yes. See, that's what I meant. That's what I meant when I told you that next time you watch that movie, you're going to notice so much. Oh, my God. Is that why Biff looks like that in that movie? Because he's not supposed to be this dude. He's the good, the bad, and the ugly dude. He's supposed to be more similar to Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. yeah. Isn't his name Van Cleef? Biff Van Cleef or some no, shit? No, it's uh, Mad Dog Tannen. Mad Dog Tannen. Biff Van Cleef. <laughs> Biff Van Cleef. <laughs> <laughs> well, who were we saying about Biff the other night? The biffening. I don't even know. Oh, we were making something up with Biff. Some kind of joke about Biff. It was it was it was inappropriate. It was very inappropriate. But everything's inappropriate. Just think about what we might mean by saying the biffening. 
<laughs> I hate myself. Damn it, I never realized that that, because I was like, oh, this seemed really familiar. Just fucking clicked that that's <laughs> the same scene from, and I hate Back to the Future 3. That's the one I don't like. They're all good in their own way. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so the stranger ends up gunning down all of Ramon's men, leaving him standing. And he tells, he tosses away his gun and tells Ramon, go ahead, pick up your rifle. Show me that. You, I, I, you can gun me down before I get you. Go ahead. He doesn't have the piece on there anymore. He no, took he took it off. off. And then he wa- they both walk over to their guns and it's this really awesome moment where they essentially both at the same time grab their guns, reload, and you just realize pistols are faster than fucking rifles. Yep. <laughs> and he guns Ramon down in the streets and it's fucking awesome. And then he grabs his shit from the cantina and um, the old guy, I forget his name already, Sar... Sargino. Silventino. Silventino. I almost called him Sargento. Nope. Like the cheese. <laughs> uh, Silventino says, Are you not going to stay? Where are you going? He's like, eh, I made money here already. I'm going to go to the next place. And that's it. He gets on his horse and they go. And the only thing you see is the old man, the, the undertaker measuring the dudes for the coffins. And I'm like, That's funny. He's just like, Well, back to work. <laughs> The, the star of the show was the Undertaker. No offense, he's so funny. He was like, "Oh, business for me!" Like Jesus. Oh, this is good. The end. That just the end at the end. It took so long for it to get there, just so you could watch Clint Eastwood just clear the edge of that building, and you're like, "Damn." And do you kind of get where the that tradition, where that stereotype of the wide long fr- shot I want why from. why can't we have more of that why can't directors just film in that's three f- no that's not three fourth that's 16 nine widescreen no uh two three five two three five or I this one might have been two three nine but I'm it was not very positive. long it was very yeah. long I'd have to double check it's on what that. we call letterbox right? yeah basically I loved letterbox like I purposely bought the gold version of Titanic because it's better in letterbox. If you didn't buy the widescreen of Titanic, you're dumb. You're dumb. You're missing half the movie. That's what I have to say. But I honestly do miss when people used to film like that. Um, 235. That's what this was shot. Okay. Because the first time I ever saw Raiders, uh, not Raiders, I'm sorry. Uh, The first time I ever saw Crusaders, uh, Last Crusade of Indiana Jones, was widescreen and it was oh my god Sean I can't tell you sitting so close to that fucking TV just like this is incredible I felt like it was in the theater it was so good 235 is my absolute favorite fucking asteroid ratio I so much so that you I, only buy widescreen well only. I I use 235 cropping on most of the stuff that I make because I just like that look so much better. Even any videos that you made too? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh we even use it for ETF. Damn. Like, just because it just looks really nice like having that crop frame. I, it looks so professional. It's clean. It's 
I, Why? Why don't the, we use it anymore? The cameras, uh, the settings on my Black Magic are for two, three, five. <laughs> like I just, I love how that looks, and I always frame for it. I, I, I really, I really liked this. Really did. It's, it's. I'm mad at myself for hating westerns or not giving them a try. And that's why we're doing. We do this. We do. We started this podcast because, because every we, time you'd be like, "Have you seen?" I'd be like, "No." You'd be like, "What?" And well, this is what's on this board. But it's not just for you. Like it's the it's the whole idea of like we started this so that we could watch more movies that we'd never seen. Yeah. And, and now we're digging into the bottom of the barrel for some shit. Yeah. Like oh. Like, we've never seen this movie. Let's see it. And we're digging, like, as deep as we can, which is kind of nice, because you, you could stand at, at the wall over here, the archive, or you can go on Netflix, and you sit there, and everybody's fucking guilty of it. Everybody. There's so much content being thrown at you, you never know what to you watch. You just doom scroll oh forever. Oh, my God. And TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, they all have that short-form bullshit. We don't like short-form in this house, but I watch so much of it. It's disgusting. I fucking hate it. Um... Short form is just, it's ridiculous. It is. It's just so much content thrown at you, so much, boom, 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 that I get so confused watching like Netflix or something. You've noticed over the last like week or two, I'm forcing myself to watch a Netflix show. I'm forcing myself because I want to get back to watching actual, like, actual production things. I am so tired of the short form. And I don't think the rest of the world is at this point yet. But at some point, all of this stuff that's built off of short form, guys, it's going to fucking fail. Like, it's it's, stop doom scrolling. Stop it. You're wasting four hours watching stupid people dance or complain about their problems. (laughs) You could do that by watching a film, you know. Get cultured, you thick fucks. (laughs) Thick or sick? Thick. 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 Thick with two two or three Ks because you don't deserve a C. Thick in the head. <laughs> Alright. Did you have any favorites? Uh, he didn't say get off my lawn. I was very upset, but then again it was all just sand, so it made sense. <laughs> uh, my my favorite was the two guys at the bottom of the ramp. Barrel. <laughs> Dead. And the blood. I'm like, a barrel shouldn't have been able to kill them like that. It shouldn't have. Like, physics and smarts. The blood was so smeared, it looked like they were crushed by a boulder. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> Time out. That was probably filled with liquor or oil. Yeah, it's heavy. It's going to do damage. Those, those guys are never going to walk again. Based on the fact that he set it on fire. Afterwards, I think it was oil. Well, no, it could be alcohol or yeah, oil. I think it, it might have been alcohol. Um... But, like, those guys would have broken their legs, not been crushed like grapes. <laughs> Still, my favorite, because this man is literally, like, army crawling with one good arm and a leg. <laughs> and he's still kicking ass. Like, yes! But, you know, It's honestly hard for me to pick a favorite for this. So just say the whole thing was the, your favorite. Yeah, the whole movie is fucking incredible. This movie was absolutely amazing. I think if I had to pick one scene, that first like the introduction, the, the that first um, prepare three coffins scene. Oh god! Like I fucking love that scene so much. I lied. I mean, a fourth. 
Do you feel that you would have done this movie any differently? Nah. Honestly, I probably would have fucked this movie up. I would have been like, no, we need to tell more story. No, he needs to ride off in the sunset. That's the fucking cliche with every fucking Western that I know. <laughs> ride off into the sunset. No, no, I wouldn't have done this movie any better. It would have been worse. This movie does not do. Don't fucking touch this movie. Clint Eastwood was, is still no. alive and he can kill you. <laughs> that man could kill anybody. This, uh, no, this is one of those like absolute classic type of films that like, you can't remake it. You can't do no. it. No. Nope. Nobody ever should. Nobody should try because it's fucking perfect the way it is. Nobody's ever going to play the man with no name like Clint Eastwood. This is just like Taxi. Don't fucking touch him. At all. We said not to touch Taxi. about Taxi Driver? Yeah, Taxi Driver. Oh, oh yeah. Taxi is a whole different Taxi is different. Taxi is weird. <laughs> um, yeah, this is like Taxi Driver. Don't fucking touch this. Leave it, with, leave it alone. Is it mainstream exploitation or other? This is other. This is spaghetti western. This is other. What are you looking at me like that for? He's got his eyebrows like so far up. Like I should know something. I'm not smart. I think I would probably put it under exploitation. Why? Because it had an R rating, which was weird. No, no, no. No, just like a lot of westerns kind of, especially spaghetti westerns, fall under exploitation. This one, it is more artful, Hmm. in my opinion, but I think it's got enough of that punch to put it into the exploitation era. Okay. For me. Not everyone would agree with that. This is another. This is a spaghetti western. This is a western. Like, whether mainstream or not. Because Quentin Tarantino kind of made... Did did a westernish movie and kind of made it a little... Did a western... He did two... Dango, Django. Thank you, because I, you know, what the fuck is his name? Jonah Quinn. I Jonah Quinn Phoenix it all the time. Django Unchained and The Hateful Eight are both westerns. The Hateful Eight, yep. Oh, because in Indignant and Glorious Bastards, it's like, uh, like a it's like Nazi Germany, World War Two kind of ish. Man, he likes like like relevant like past stories. Yeah, well. just tells the stories he wants to tell. I like I, I like it. I'm eager to see what your tenth and final one is, buddy. Please don't do a rehash. I'll kill you. <laughs> he, he's not that stupid. Uh, I feel like I should ask you where this ranks on your Giallo scale, but no. it's not really a Giallo. No, so. but it's, it, Giallo now is Italian cinema. On my Giallo scale, where would I put this? I might put this right behind the Beyond. I would I would probably do um, Suspiria. The Beyond, a fistful of dollars. Okay. This and is. Let's preface. This is not a Giallo film. Don't it's not. think that it's a Giallo we film. We are just if you've never seen putting it. quotations around Giallo because, to me, as a simple, simple woman who doesn't know anything, because I'm not smart right now, Giallo is Italian cinema in my mind. Anything Giallo, when I say it, is Italian cinema. When Sean says it, it's true Giallo esque films. Because I'm always going to refer to it as, uh, even if you try to correct me, you know I'm stubborn. I never fucking remember. So <laughs> that's why it's Jonah Quinn Phoenix, because I didn't know what the fuck a Joaquin was. 
Oh, God. At any time. And nobody corrected me for years because I always say, oh, Jonah Quinn Phoenix, Jonah Quinn Phoenix. It took years for people to be like, do you mean Joaquin? And I'm like, is that how it's spelled? Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> I was like, for, his brother was named River and he got Joaquin? Well, what the fuck? <laughs> do you have anything else you would like to talk about for this film? Fistful of Dollars. I think I want to see it again. I think it want it, I want it to be like maybe this summer. And I think I want it to be the VHS. I want to experience the VHS now that okay. we've seen it. Well, we can do that. We can. But I want to wait a little bit. Let's sit on it. I want to get the fucking Blu-rays for these. So bad. Does the Criterion Collection have a Blu-ray collection of this? I don't know. Oh, God. I'm checking that we when we're done. Out. Yep. All right. But I guess that brings our discussion on Fistful of Dollars to an end. But don't go anywhere just yet. Please. For the love of God, stay tuned for the coming attractions. Die. Die, my darling. Die. Die. Bye-bye, my darling. Bye-bye. Die. Mrs. Trafoy! Die, my darling. It's quite for the best that I lay you to rest. Die. Die, my darling. You never intended to remain true to this, Stephen. Mrs. Starring Tallulah Bankhead. Also starring Stephanie Powers as the darling. I'll pay you if you let me out of here. In what way, love? Don't! Die. Die, my darling. Die. Die. What would you do when Alan comes to get me? Beg for mercy? Cry. No one is going to find you here, Patricia. No one. There's no one here to help, darling. Only to kill you, darling. Only to kill you. Or worse, darling. On the car, do you? One of the most terrifying suspense thrillers this side of insanity. Die, die, my darling. You must die. Die, my darling. This is another Grindhouse list pick that I went purely on the title and the cover. I have not read or any know anything of this. So whatever you guys just heard, we have no idea what you heard. 
Sean might, because he has to, like, get the fucking trailers. But I don't think you've gotten the trailer for this one yet. I have, but I didn't watch it. Okay. I just kind of went and grabbed it. Uh, I know nothing about this movie other than what the cover tells me, which is not a whole lot. It looks like it has something to do with a murderer probably trying to kill a woman. But Aren't they all? Yeah, most of them are. Most actually. of them are just, just a murderer trying to kill a woman. I don't think I've really seen too many where a murderer is trying to kill a man. Make it happen, kids. <laughs> Filmmakers of the world. Filmmakers of the world, unite and make a film. I was trying to spice world it, but it's not happening. Yeah, with a title like Die Die My Darling. I know, I <laughs> like, love that that's, title. That's awesome. I was scrolling through, I read that because I found this one and As Soon the Darkness in the same time. And I was like, I was on a kick of like the title just being interesting. And I was like, die, die, my darling. I'm like, oh, I want to know what this is about. You know, there's like a there's like a whole series of die, die films. Yeah. That none of them have anything to do with each other. But there's like this one. There's one called Die, Demon, Die. Uh, There's a lot like that. Isn't there something like die, die, my love? Probably. I, I die, know I've die seen, forever or something like that. I know I've seen many titles that mm. are very similar to this. I'm hoping this one's good. Hopefully. I mean, the last, like, murder mystery was pretty pretty decent. This is from 1965, so... We're on a 60s kick today's kids. Oh, yeah. Very Two very different films from the 60s. But as it's one I've never seen, I'm very interested to watch it. This one, the version we have is in stabbing color. So that could be fun. Yeah. I'm guessing... I'm wondering if this was shot in color or if it was technicolored after. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll have, have to find out when we uh, look up info. Yeah, we'll have to look into it. But I think that wraps up this episode. I'm very excited for the next one. We lied. We need a fifth coffin for this episode because it's done. Oh, if you want to keep up on everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah about this film or any of the films that we previously covered. Or you can, you know, be bold and suggest us some movies that you might like to see us cover. All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Listen to us first thing every Monday morning and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. If you like what we're doing, and you want to show this show some support, you can subscribe to us over on Patreon or directly through Acast where you can get yourself access to ad-free listening and unlock some fun, exclusive bonus content that we really need to make more of. Yeah, we really need to get on that. We've been, we've been lacking, so I'm not surprised nobody has given a shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thanks for listening, and keep watching. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.